Triple M rocks the NRL 24-7 through the Triple M app. Thanks to Ream. Steady, hot and strong. Install a Ream. Our very own wild panther, Mark Geyer, released a biography back in 1994. Obviously, he must have had some help writing it. The guy can barely read. Now, 28 years later, a lot has happened since. And now, it's a podcast. Welcome to Rugby League Rebel, part two, the Mark Guy story. Don't worry, MG, there's no writing involved this time. In 1994, the book Rugby League Rebel, the Mark Guy story, was first published. It tells the story of a man we all know as MG from his early days and humble beginnings of being bullied by a local kid everyone called crazy on the streets of Wayland to the highest heights of rugby league where he'd help Penrith to their first ever premiership and represent his state and country. So much jam-packed into his first 27 years and the book ends, but MG wasn't finished. He's lived another 27 years since then. MG, let's continue the Rugby League Rebellion. Uh, now, last episode, we were lucky enough to talk about MG, not MG, but Dad, the father, yeah. Mark Guy, your kids that have been such a big part of your life. I'll be very interested to see how that turned out because um, I haven't spoken to the kids post that, that chat you had with them, so... I'm just like everyone who'll be listening to this podcast as we speak. You would have heard by now what my kids had to say about me. So, Again, another um, thank you to Montana and to Mav for, for jumping yeah. in it and sharing stories about dad, man. That's what we talked about with them is that you're not MG, you are dad to them. So they've got a unique experience. For this episode, I just want to read you a little bit of a chapter from Rugby League Rebel. Yeah. Chapter 22, my media mates. I acknowledge that the media has a tough job to do. So do bouncers who are paid to keep the peace in clubs. The difference between the two is if a bouncer goes too far with his job and beats the crap out of a patron, he is answerable to the police and then the law courts. A journalist can hammer the shit out of someone in so many different ways. They can use a wrong word, emphasise a mischievous throwaway line and worst of all, fill gaps in their stories with a few quotes of their own. Then who do they answer to? No one. That's who. Now, that... Chapter goes on to talk about some of your mates you've made in the media, but the irony, of yep. course, now is you have made one hell of a career in the media. Yeah, no, and, and that, them words are quite quite prophetic, I suppose, because it's true. Like I've I've always, when I first started my my media career, which was you know kind of one of the things that you don't plan that that well. It's you know not like you you don't train. You know, I, I train to become a footballer. Um, Done weights, ran you know around ovals, done skill work to become a um, someone on in the media after footy. I suppose you've just got to have an opinion, and with that opinion, you've got to be careful how far you go with it. Because, like I said back then in 1994, 1993, um, Jerno's words carry a lot of clout, and you've got to get it right. If you've got to say something, you've got to make sure you say it from your heart. You've got to make sure you say something from that has total conviction, conviction in what you're saying. And I've tried to follow that throughout my media career. That I've, I, I, sometimes I'm wrong, and I'll admit when I'm wrong. Um, but I, I know sometimes that I've said stuff that I've, I've been embarrassed of what I've had to say. But earlier on in my media career, I, I said, I said stuff um, that would that would be out there that would make a statement that it would get people to say, to talk about it because I was, you know, I was like most of these current footballers now who are plying their trade in the media. If you don't have an opinion, you're not worth the, well, seat, you're at, the seat you sit on. What are you up to now? Is it are we past twenty years in the media? 
Ah, uh, yes. Yep. Uh, 2001 was my first. My first so 2001, foray. we are past 20 years as not as MG the footballer, but as MG the media professional. Now let's go back to the start. Talk to us about that mm. first job in media. We know you got a bit of a start doing some um, some updates on some radio shows. Rob, Duck, Rob Duckworth, you mentioned, but when, yep. what was kind of the first big job? Um, well, I was doing um, I was doing all the ra- the AM radios. I was doing um, uh, I started with Channel Seven was the first media thing I'd done. I, I was someone from Channel 7, and I forget who, who, who contacted me. Might have been Terry Kennedy, who worked mm. with, uh, he, uh, for Big Sports Breakfast, he used yeah, to be on. And, for years. And then I did a show with him and Roy Masters on Sky, with um, which I think was called Rugby League Winners or something back in Roy Masters, who wrote that famous headline. About you, where the smoke there's guy. After I tested positive, <laughs> and you end up marijuana. doing a radio show with him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And and, we, and, and I suppose you got to put every, oh, you know, I, I, Roy is one of the best writers I think in the business, and obviously he doesn't write the headlines. But um, I was doing C ninety one point three in Campbelltown. I ended up doing a weekend show there with again Radio Royalty in um, part half of the club veg, um, Malcolm Lee's. Mm-hmm. He was down there with Rob Duckworth, so that kind of transpired into a, a weekend show, a sports show. Um, then I started doing a, a weekend show with Two UE. I think when Rab, uh, when when Bolts Ray Hadley m- moved and went over to a, another station, I went with him, and it's kind of all fuzzy because I'd done so much back then. Yeah. I was doing everything, as I said but earlier. I'd, I'd never said no. For those people um, that for those people that aren't radio nuffies, but who you have just listed off. Half a dozen names that are not just, you know, known media people, whether the journalists or, or hosts. You're talking about people at the real pointy end of Australian media. And you've worked with them all in, in your early days. I mean, it must have. Do you look back now? And, and I mean, from my personal perspective, I know it's a career highlight for me to have been able to work with you for the four years we did our show and still continuing a working relationship with you today. But do you look yep. back on on the people that you've been able to work with in those early days and kind of pinch yourselves a bit? You know what? I, I, I didn't until uh, the late, great Peter Fullingos passed away in 2004. And I went to his funeral and I saw who's the who's who of basically Sydney, not just in the media, but who's the who's who were there on both TV, radio, print. And I was then... Well, lucky, or I was lucky enough, but unfortunately for you know the the circumstances, hmm. I then replaced uh, Pete for about a month um, on to, on on the continuous call team, and then I went um, that in the same time of time frame, I got a call from Steve Crawley, who was the boss at Channel Nine, saying he's putting together a, a magazine show um, on a Sunday with Andrew Voss as the host, and he wanted me on it. He wanted Phil Gould, he wanted Matty Johns, and there's a kind of a, a floating cast of, mm. of uh, journos with Paul Kent and Terry Kennedy, who I just mentioned. And I uh, did the roast for four or five years, and in that same time, I was doing a little bit of the footy show. Um, I was doing some commentary, some sideline eye commentary for Channel 9. Oh, you didn't just do was... sideline eye commentary. In fact, let's, no. let's, this is, so by this point, you are, you are, You've been identified by both radio producers, execs, and TV execs as somebody that is worth having involved in their show. So we we are gonna we're not gonna skip over some of this stuff because 
In fact, if you've got the time, Google Google Mark Geyer um, Sunday Roast, and there are some segments there that you could just disappear oh. down a rabbit hole. They are that funny. But the first bit of audio I would do want to share. Um, talk. Explain to me how you and Ben Eichen wow. came to be doing play-by-play. <laughs> In fact, let's play the audio first. This is Ben Eichen and MG calling play-by-play for Channel 9, was it? Channel 9, yes. Channel 9. Let's, let's play the tape. We've lost our lead commentator, Andrew Voss. He's been struck down by a mysterious virus. He says he will return. He'll be back. But for the time being, you're left with a oh, dynamic duo. Here you go. The Raiders are away. You little beauty, he says. <laughs> Try time, green machine. We just had a confirmation. It is food poisoning for Avos. Oh. It all started from here. That man, the Z man, Zillman, second gear, third gear. Meow. <laughs> If you just join, you are hearing things. Mark Iron and I can are commentating around the NRL. Wow. What are you laughing at, MG? Oh, I just can't believe the situation we're in. This is unbelievable. But we're having fun. I think he's got a knock in the hair there. That's a hair injury. Is that right, Dan? Uh, Marco Halloran. Yep, looks like Josh Miller. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, Marco Halloran. <laughs> right under the... <laughs> under the sky. That's all from us down here at Canberra Stadium. Over and out. Good night. Oh. Wow. Wow. Still makes me laugh because... <laughs> But myself and Benny were co-commentators. Um, Timmy Gilbert was on the sideline, yes. and Andrew Voss was the main man. And, and just about before half time, Vossy started saying, "Oh, I'm crook as a gut. I'm crook in the guts. Um, I, I don't know. What, I think I've had a sandwich on the way down from a service station. It's, it's, it's repeated on me." And then he left at half time, and and Buzz McNamara was producing us, um, who's back at Fox now and was with Triple M for a number of years. Mm. He said. Um, <laughs> You, do, you two have to take over. I said, what, what do you mean take over? Like, call? He said, yeah. I said, no. Then Timmy Gilbert's ran up from the back. Uh, he's gone to the back of the stairs. He said, I'm yeah. ready to run. And Buzz yeah, said, no, yeah. let these two take it. And I think, I think Timmy, rightly so, was pissed off because he, he, he's a caller. You know? So he was on the sideline listening to us jibber. Um, but one of, it was one of the most fun nights of my life. And uh, it's no coincidence we never got an opportunity to call play-by-play again. But, um, yeah, that were, they were good days. Channel 9 were good days. I... Um, Got to you know host the footy show, be a, a guest host on the footy show on numerous occasions, and the Sunday Rose was one of them shows that were just kind of it was kind of like what led into the grill, the, the grill team. Yeah. In, in that same time, I, I got a job with Two SM working weekends, and they were uh, talking sport on on weekends, and then that that led to a, a full time gig um, doing five days a week, but not the weekends. So that that worked out well. So. I got a call, I remember, from Jamie Angel saying, uh, would I be interested in doing the Dead Set Legends on a Saturday? Before we get into your radio career, I just do, there is one more bit of audio. You don't, there's no chance you're getting, we're getting away from your TV career without touching on this. Now, what I love about you and what I've loved about working with you over the years is that if you work with MG long enough, you know what he means. You always know what he means. Whether he whether he gets the words out, makes up words, you always know what he means. But if you're working with MG for the very first time, sometimes <laughs> you, it doesn't come across, especially if you're from another country and the accent might be a bit thicker than what you're used to. This is MG trying to ask Dennis Rodman, 
NBA legend with the Chicago Bulls, multiple time champion. This is MJ asking Dennis Rodman when he was on the uh, the footy show trying to get a question to uh, the, the NBA icon. I'm a big uh, WWF fan and uh, I watch it every Tuesday night um, on, on Fox and I've uh, noticed you, you've, you're out here with the troop, the animal and uh, the hawk. Mm. They, were in, they used to be pretty big in WCW about you know, five, ten years ago. They still got the style. You still you kick their butt or? I don't even understand what he's saying. <laughs> I remember, I remember um, before that episode, I had um, I was playing Oztag and I got a hit to the larynx, um, and I could hardly talk. And I, was, I rings whoever the I think I'm not sure who the footy show, maybe Burnsy. Mm. I, rem- I remember ringing him on the Tuesday saying, mate, I, I can't talk, I'm out. He said, see how you feel. He said, you know, <clears throat> just come on, you'll be right. And and then listening back to that, and I, I was so nervous. I was so nervous talking to Dennis Rodman because he's one of the guys I'd watched for, like for for years. I was yeah. a mad NBA fan. And then, you know, when he's back in the, with the Pistons days, and here he was in front of me because he made the foray into a bit of WWF. Yeah. And here he was in the same room as me. Then I, I kind of met him that stage, and he's like six foot ten, just a giant of a man. And yeah. I kind of just shit myself. I didn't know what to say to him. So, <laughs> so you had the perfect mix of you had the lockier voice going on, you yeah. had the nerves about actually meeting someone, and you don't get yeah. easily sort of no. overcome. But you, this is a bloke who you have a bit of um, awe and reverence for, and the fact that your natural style, you're not, you know, it's not Michael Parkinson at no. the best of times. No. If we're being <laughs> <No>. real. <laughs> But, but the and it's led that, to what I think is a beautiful moment. Well, the irony of that was that um, I, I watched that back and I and I said to myself, "Look how fast I'm talking. Look how quick I'm talking. Look how look how nervous I am." And that kind of was the the the, the bromide I had for not doing that again. Like I, then yeah. I, you know, after that I'd um, again with a Sunday roast for until about 2007 and. Um, you know, then I went over to 2SM, as I mentioned, and while I was at 2SM, I got a call. I got a couple of calls from, from then the boss at Triple M, Jamie Angel. One was about doing a, a the Dead Set Legends on a Saturday. I had to get the, the okay from Bill Corrales, who was my boss at 2SM. And he said, yeah, no worries. It's no, you know, it's no different to us. We don't, you know, we, no conflict. So then I found myself working with, again, more heroes of mine in Ray Warren and, and Billy Birmingham and, and Dan had just gone from out. Dan Ganane had just gone from outside of the producing of the Dead Set Legends to hosting it. So it was us four for a couple of years. And um, in the in the same time, I was still working at Two SM and doing a bit of. I think I was still doing the roasts, maybe. Yeah, I think mm. I was still doing the roast up until about two thousand seven or eight. And I remember I got a call, and you know, on on the, on the old phones, if if I'm on the phone to you, Liam, and um, and somebody else rings me. Mm. The voice messages go, and the voice message wouldn't say that you know, you've missed a call. It straight, no, it, it, it just goes straight to voice message. So one day I'm sitting at two SM, and, and and you've got to imagine in the meantime I'm watching this unfold. I'm working on Saturdays at, at at Triple M, and I'm watching in the meantime that Triple M are looking for this new breakfast show called the Grill Team. They're going to call it, and Gus Wallen, Hugh Jackman's best mate, who I kind of knew, I didn't know, but I knew. I, I was watching mm. Aussie goes. Stuart McGill, who I'd met a couple of times throughout my life, but not that often. And they're trying to get the third member of the team. Um, uh, Byron Cook was going to anchor it. Yep. So I'm watching this unfold every every day in the weekend papers, usually on a Saturday and Sunday. 
they'd say, oh, they've auditioned this guy, this, this girl, that guy, this girl. And about two weeks had passed. And I'm thinking, geez, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here doing the show on Saturdays, but I haven't been invited to even, you know, I wondered why. Yeah. So I'm sitting there at 2SM going through emails one day of, of uh, listeners who have emailed stuff in about a, a certain topic. And I noticed my phone had a little red light that was flashing. And I said, I wonder what that is. I've never seen that red light flash on my, on my phone. So I pressed this button. It said press 101. So I pressed 101 and all of a sudden I had eight or nine miss voice messages that were in there. One was from three weeks ago. One was that was from Jamie Angel. He said, G'day, MG. It's Jamie Angel. I uh, just wanted to see, mate, if you're keen on um, auditioning for the new brekkie show that we're, we're putting together for Triple M. I went, oh, fuck, man. <laughs> he must think I'm brushing him. So I stopped right in my, in, in my um, right, right, stopped right, right where I was. I rang Triple M straight away. I didn't even have a number. I said, can you put me through? Called up the on-air line. Called up Barb's. one triple three five three. <laughs> or I rang Barb up in reception. <laughs> And um, so Becco, put me again. through to Jamie Angel. <laughs> so I got a message somehow. Can Jamie Angel call me? Within a half an hour, Jamie rang me back, and I and I, I told him what happened. He said, "Oh, mate, no worries. I just thought you didn't want to. You weren't interested." I said, "Yeah, I am. I really am." Um, he said, "Can you come in tomorrow at ten o'clock to talk with the boys?" He said, "We've been through about thirty people, and, and at, at the moment we haven't had that person who just can, who has clicked mm. with the boys." So I remember coming, I was so nervous again, um, and I find myself throughout my media career, no matter what, I think if when you're nervous and you're on top and, and you are uptight, you, you, you seem to give a better performance. If it's when you're relaxed and you think you're going to do it easily, mm. you usually don't, usually don't. It's kind of like a sporting field as well. So before every rugby league game, if I wasn't nervous, I'd be worried. Um, so I walked into the Triple M studios and I noticed there was about three or four people around one was jamie angel one was richard mortlock uh, who, I, who i now know richard mortlock i didn't know him at the time uh, mm. one was craig bruce who was a big boss yeah um and then there there was in the studio um byron cook gus gussie warland and and stewie mcgill mcgill so they've all walked out shook hands they said um jamie said mg's here to talk about the you know, to audition for the show mm. go and do it go and do a couple of breaks so I didn't know what breaks were. Like, what's, what's a fucking break in radio? Like, break what? Break break the, the window? Break someone's leg? What? Who would break? So I've walked in and um, they say, okay, we're going we're to talk about your first grade, you know, for instance, your first grade debut, mm. um, talk about your parents and blah, blah, blah. And within 10 minutes, we'd walked out and I saw them talking with each other. And they've come over to me and said, how would you like to uh, work till Christmas on the show? We'll give you a three-month deal. Yeah. I said, yeah, done. I'm in. So in the meantime, their big fish was Maddie Johns, who who they wanted to obviously chase um, as their main man because. Yep. But Maddie was otherwise contained. He he couldn't with Channel contained. Nine he at could, the time. He, he, could, he couldn't do it. So I did it, and then I said to them, as as the show went on for a month or two, I said I I want to sign long term. Otherwise, I'm going to start looking at other opportunities because I don't want to wait till. You know, Maddie's free because that could be a year or a yeah. one. So I want to make sure that my security is done as well because I've got yeah. other offers. And I did have other other offers. I was being transparent with them. So I signed a three-year deal there and then. And then um, Byron went back to Melbourne. Um, Stewie McGill left after about 18 months. And then mm -hmm. we welcomed Maddie, myself, Gus, Paige, and Maddie. And we did it for eight and a half years. And for those 
that I mean, I think if people are listening to this, chances are they they're grill team fans. They've probably been a grill team listener at one stage or another. Mm-hmm. That is a rare show. That was a rare, oh, yeah. really rare show. Uh, people, radio bosses around the country, uh, and I imagine around the world, try and program shows. And inevitably it comes down to an audition process where they try and piece things together to say we need a, a female voice yep. or we need a, ma- a blokey voice or we need a funny voice. And they try and do it like it's a jigsaw puzzle. And 90% of the time it doesn't work. There's so, you know, you could probably, most people out there could list the the radio teams and, and shows yeah. that have held and, and lasted for a period of time. What that show was, um, it was a rare thing for, to, to do what you, you as a show did. Um, and it was the core, as you say, it was you and Gus and Maddie and Pagey for, for eight and a half years with some, with some different voices coming in through along the way. I mean, do you look back on that now with a, with, with pride? Oh, of course it's, 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 you know, um, I absolutely loved every second of it. I, I, I loved, you know, even though I was, Getting up at three thirty in the morning and travelling in every day, and um, I didn't. I had too many probably days off for, for many's like many likings, <laughs> but I it was it was, a hard, it was a hard slog, man. It was a hard slog. But as soon as you'd get in there and have a coffee, and and they turn the buttons on us to, to say go. Well, we had we had myself who was you know the inverted commas king of the west. They had um, Matty Johns, the king of comedy and and storytelling, and you had Pagey who was probably the sharpest wit that I've ever come across on radio and, and done a lot of writing as well for mm-hmm. to help with Maddie and the characters and Maddie also did the, the writing for characters and then you had Gus the you know the best mate of a Hollywood superstar um, who you know the, there was and I think the fact that there was four of us um, usually the, the you know the shows at the moment like um, you know Amanda and Jonesy and um, mm-hmm. f- f- Fitzy and Whipper and Kyle and Jackie, yeah, uh, they're, they're Jack- pairing. They've got two. They've got pairs. They've, it's 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 very it's it's less kind of outside noise when you've only got yourself and someone else. When you've got four egos to massage, you've got to have a, a producer and a back team that can that can get that that product to the listeners. And um, we had a few. We had Erica Hodge who started with us, who's who we loved her. She ended up going back to her hometown of Perth. We had a couple in between. Then we had a, we found a bloke called Matthew O'Reilly, a young, I think he was 28 at the time when he started producing us. Um, and he was just a country bumpkin from down, up from, from up north. So I started calling him father. He said, why are you calling me father? I said, because Father O'Reilly, that's your last name. And he goes, okay. A nickname that has endured to this day <laughs> yeah. for, and for father. Now. And look where the guy is now. He's, he's a superstar of, of radio and. By the way, that's oh, yeah, a very good impersonation for the. <laughs> yeah, most people won't appreciate it. that, but that is bang on. <laughs> he um he was awesome. He was awesome. I think you know Matt, we'd go in every morning just to give people a bit of a background on what you do. You sit around, you get there at, eight, at five o'clock. You have five half an hour to plan the show. Or you read the papers. You say, okay, what do you want to talk about today? Obviously, the, the night before you talk about it, and then you go and have a coffee for half an hour. And we, me and Gus, would usually go upstairs and get some fresh air at at World Square. And it was there we met Kyle and Jackie O, and I, I, I you know, they, they were on top of their game at that time. That this was two thousand and nine, so this, that's how long they've been on top of the the radio tree for. And I, and I couldn't believe how good a bloke Kyle Sandlands was. Everyone, I had a I had a preconceived idea about him. I heard I heard he was prickly. I heard this. I heard that. But he was anything but. 
he treated us like our, you know, that we were in radio for 15 years and we were mm. one of his counterparts. And he just, and Jackie O was a, was a princess. You know, our first ratings bump when we went up, she was the first one down with a bottle of champagne. And it was, yeah, it was, it was good times. It was, it was the best times. You ask any of the, uh, us four who were on that show together, could we ever replicate that? No, we could never. Um, it's like Uncle Doug back in the day. He's, he's the reason radio attracted me. I was, I was a listener to Triple M from 1980. Um, same year that State of Origin was born. So two of my favourite things in, in life were born in the same year, Triple M and uh, State of Origin Rugby League. So mm. the, is that irony or, or is it fate? I don't know. But, <laughs> but either way, it's, 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 it's given me a, a fantastic life. The, the, you know, then it's, the, so what, just before, things... we, before we move on from the grill team, I do want to – there are – I mean – uh, it it is such a big part of your. I mean, if Penrith is your is the heartbeat of your footballing career, the Grill Team is the heartbeat, or is the you know is is the main thoroughfare of your media career. It was eight and a half years. Uh, the I still get people asking me about it today. There's Wikipedia page. There's Twitter pages, fan yeah. pages dedicated to what that show was. Uh, but I do want to share with people because you talk about the roles you all played within that show. Um, yep. And this is a slight continuation of of the uh, the Dennis Rodman. But again, you didn't try and you you often another mistake people make in radio is they go on air and try to be something they're not, and they tried to play a role. You just kept being you. This is a little package from the Grill Team days. The best in the world. He chosen sport, and I respect that uh, uh, untoldly. He was he was cut right <laughs> from a different shelf. Clover Beast uh, to the drum of her own. Uh, beat the yeah, drum. Yeah, wow. That's that's a buck. For, that's a dollar for your buck. And anyway, we've got another line <laughs> that's now. Right. That's a what? It's, it's bang for your that's buck. A, it's oh, a, yeah. yeah. Is it the local car caravan car uh, caravan park owner, Lorraine? And we have a lady first up on our. On our sheet, he won triple three with five three. It's a sheet, isn't it? A, it's a monster. Hey, in the world of the land of the living best, and uh, two, Billy will take on Thailand's uh, Sukum Sen, quite young youth. We've spoken about golf clubs and uh, you know, eight, eight in one hole off four, on a four par and all stuff like that. We've, we've basically lost the plot. Do you just have a stroke? <laughs> <laughs> I've got to see a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I, I would, I'd probably say, I would have said maybe fifty words in the in the three hours on air. And when it, when they said this, you're, you're bringing this out, this in, I said, well, I fucking can't bring this in. I just, I, I, that's when I'd really shit myself. When when you have to, for those again that the uneducated, when you've got to bring a break in, you've got mm. to read about it. Um, find out the th- two or three best points and then bring it in for everyone to discuss. Well, I like to shit myself when I when they'd say bring this break in him. I go, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and, you went yeah, from being you went from being a you know a a, a, a second row four. They said you got to be halfback for this play, and you went, oh, yes. what? Oh yes. shit! Uh, so I knew my role. I, I love my role. Mm. I love my role. I love being the one you know who had the passion. I had mm. you know I. I very similar to what I'm doing today. I'm just a little bit more articulate. I, I think. I think I've learnt to. Even at fifty-four, I've learned how to kind of put it. I still fuck up. I still, I still, have, I still have opportunities, and and uh, you know, like now when I've, I've I'm try, I try and find words. Back then, it was just hard when you got the three of them waiting for you to make a mistake, ready to jump all just over ready you, ready to jump, all ready over. to jump I mean, all that, over you. That was the fun of the show, but 
the and it was and it was an and it was an icon of of Sydney Breakfast Radio. And the fact is that you're still on Sydney Breakfast Radio. And and if you were to you know do the maths on it, you you are you know we talk you talk about Colin Jackie O there, and we know what Hadley's done and Jones and all the rest. But you have how many years on Breakfast Radio do you think you're at now? You're ten plus years already. Um, well, I did I did. 09 to uh, to 17, so that's yep. 7, 8, 9, and then I'm, I'm, this is my 10th. So, yeah, this is 10 years on, on Sydney, the biggest radio market in Australia. You, you, yep. You've raised a decade, which some people barely last two years, so it, it's right. remarkable. So it's, it's... We did have a there was a there was a period there when you left the grill team and, and Triple M and the bosses knew that you were too valuable to the station to just let disappear, but so they this is where your, your paths and my path crossed. Um, in 2018 when we started doing the rush hour and, and you went from being uh, a bloke who would do breakfast radio and talk about everything, life, uh, you know, what's going on, politics as well as sport. And, and you went, we went more down a very much a sporting path um, yep. and, and you got to talk about football again, pure football. That's what our, mm. our bread and butter was on the rush hour for the four years that we did it. Um, did you enjoy? Did you find yourself re-engaging with the sport then, and when you when you knew you were talking about it day after day, and then oh. getting involved in the Triple M call team? Well, it was the first time. First of all, it was the first time that you know, even and I haven't had reservations about them putting my name on on the you know the show MG the Rush Hour. I didn't. I didn't. I was uncomfortable with that because I um, I'd gone from being a, a part of a, an ensemble. To being, you know, the the, the main man, so yeah. to speak. Without it, I, I hadn't met you by this stage. I didn't know how how I, I heard you a lot with you, American, um, and all the stuff you do around Triple M. But I didn't mm. know how our chemistry would be as as a twosome. And straight away, it was it was on point. You could tell that we were made made to work with each other because of the um, the, the 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 room we gave each other as far mm. as learning our learning our trade and. Um, you did all the heavy lifting. I, I, I had to make sure that if my name's going to be on the product, well, I've got to make sure that I, I deliver stuff that's going to make me proud of, of the product. Mm. And I think, I think we did that in over four years. It was, you know, in the end, we, we ended up getting your name on the, on the, the, the run sheet as well on the name of the show, the Rush Hour with MG and Liam, which we kind of, you know, we should have been from the get go and. Uh, let me um, be a little bit self-indulgent for a moment, if you will, because I think, um, and this is again, you would never admit to this publicly, but I think it's it's I think it's worthwhile talking about you, as far as your media career goes. Um, media is a is filled with dickheads, right? There are and like any industry, but particularly in media, once you get into this on-air stage, people are very reluctant to share the spotlight because there's that nervousness about there's only so many jobs. And if I let old mate start having a bit of air time, what does that mean for my job? And that's the yeah. reality of the industry. Okay. Um, you were, you are without doubt one of the most self-assured people I've ever worked with in media because of this footballing career that you have had. And you seem from the moment we started until uh, even to this day, when we still do this stuff together, you are so comfortable and confident in who you are as a person that there's none of that anxiety about, oh, where's my shine? Where's my time in the spotlight? There's none of that. So it was an absolute pleasure for me as someone who was just kind of stepping into that on-air space to get that from you. But the key lesson I've taken from you as a as a broadcaster, as a presenter and working in media was, I still remember to this day, it was the first week of our show. Yep. And we were recording some live reads. 
And I kept on. I was I was nervous because this was my first on air job, really. Mm. And I kept fucking up a live read. And I was I was, you know, getting frustrated with myself. And you, I still remember you said, "Mate, the people we are doing this show for make mistakes when they speak every single day. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about mista- making mistakes when you speak." And, and it is a lesson I have taken through to this day, <laughs> to the show I do with, with Dobbo and Liesl. When I make a mistake now when I'm speaking or if I say the wrong word or if I, my analogy falls apart, I'm like, it's okay. People, um, It's the MG rule. People know what I mean. It's fine. Exactly. And I think that's what – if you go, go by that, you know, that notion that you know, everyone listening to us, they don't listen to us to make us to, – to, for us to sound like wordsmiths. They want us to sound like – we're giving them some information, and they make we're, we're giving it to them in a in a colourful way as well. And mm. and I said to you and Tommy Birmingham, who was our producer back then, I said we are going to be a tripod. We are. My name is on the. My name might be on the 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 show, but the three of us are equal. Mm. Produce, host, co-host, whatever it is. And then when Tommy moved on, we we got Charlie, and we said the same thing to Charlie. Um, I don't want to be. I want us to have equal say in what we're doing, and I think mm. that's that empowers people, and that's how I was as a footballer. Like a, a rookie came because when I was a rookie, came into the game, I they you know blokes like Brandy and Royce, and and they said, "Mate, you've, you you're here because of you, you've done the hard work." Mm. Now don't don't freeze up and and stop doing what you're doing because you're in first grade. Now you got to express yourself more, and it's kind of the same thing with the media. Just because you get another job or just because you get a better job, doesn't mean you change who you are because mm. people can see right through it. Yeah. Especially us in radio. Radio is the best medium because it's it's instant. Yeah. As soon as we say something on on radio, we get an instant reaction. Whether it's a phone whether it's someone on these days on social media saying something, or whether it's the boss. When you're on TV, it's a lot different because most times, more times than not, that's a recorded show. And um, and it's, I, I I look to be honest, I didn't like TV. I, I didn't like doing TV because TV was a lot of hurry up and wait. You got you, you, hit, you, you sit around, you wait, hurry up and wait. It was just not me. I'm you know you know I'm I'm, yeah. I'm an ants in the pants type of guy. I like to get it done and yep. get in, get out, get home. And radio suits me. Suits me fine. I love yeah. radio. I, I, I love um I, I love the medium of radio. I love what how creative you can be with it. Everything you know. I, I, it took me a long time on the grill team to come up with con- what, what content meant. And I remember again Jamie Angel, who had pretty looking back now, he had a, a big influence on my radio career because he was, he knew that I was a a rough diamond, and he kind of just said to me many occasions, mate, look, you walk in your house, there's content. I said, what do you mean? What the clock and the the, the lounge? He laughed. He said, well, yeah. He said, yes, but haven't you got five kids? I said, yes. He goes, well, there's your content, you know. And so I kind of took that on board, so I'd, I'd take more note of. What they would say, what they would do, what their groups are doing, what 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 TV shows they liked, what wow. shows I liked, and it was there, it's it's content. And um, yeah, I, I've here we are in what in twenty twenty two, almost twenty twenty three, and um, another year of Brecky beckons. Yeah, that's uh, and this and to go back to uh, that chapter in the book, Rugby League Rebel. My media mates and and the and the comments you made, I acknowledge that the media has a tough job to do, and you've and you've learned about that, but then. The, the point you made about journalists and media and, and the ability to, to fill in, you know, fill in the gaps yep. of, of stories and, and, and be unanswerable, the, the other thing that you used to say to myself and producer Charlie and, and Tom when, in the beginning was that you want to celebrate the game of rugby league. You don't mm. want to tear it down a, for the sake of it. 
You don't want to. You never wanted to tear the game down. The game that, as you said and still say, it gave you so much, gave you everything, is the reason that you're on in media now. You never wanted to tear it down. You were always looking for uh, the positive angles. And when there was negative stories that we had to talk about, I what I loved hearing and seeing from you on those days in the studio was was you sympathising with the position of the players because that's yeah. not something we see in media traditionally. The media looks to tear these players down when they can. And so it was a privilege to see you as a former player still try and sympathise with the current day players and what they were going through. Well, it's, it's, it's funny now that and it's now I've got a son who's maybe on the cusp of his own career. So I, I then put myself in the situation of him and, you know, what he's about to cop because he's my son. Mm. Um, and I, I, I worry for that. You know, I know it's the nature of the beast. He's not going to be the first son, hopefully, to play first grade that his, that his father has. But I'm also now in another position where I'm thinking differently about the way I look at footy because I've now I've got a son who's been training with Penrith for the last two years, who's, you know, trying his best to, to do what I did. And um, it's not everyone gets a chance to do it. I, I, I don't take anything for granted. I, I, I used to, I suppose, when I was a bit of a rebel, I used to, you know, take things for granted but as you get older and wiser and um you, your family kind of settle you down if they don't well you're never going to settle down yeah. and if, if if a bloke like me can settle down after that first 24 years of just frenzy frenzy <laughs> well then anyone anyone can anyone now, can. tomorrow's promise to no one mg but what i love and and we we might put a uh, we might put a full stop on the the media career of, of mark guy after this but what i love is that you heard in the beginning with the question to Dennis Rodman, is that this man was an unpolished gem as far as media goes. And you always know what he means, though, even up until most very recently where (laughs) you were trying to explain the Joseph Sawali situation uh, and as far as... They wouldn't let him play. (laughs) They wouldn't let him play, play. exactly. He was a 17-year-old asking for special dispensation to enter the league. Yeah. Look, let's see if people understand what MG's trying to say. The Roosters have been meticulous with this. They've been meticulous. Look, to have a, a stallion like him, this young kid who's 17 in, in, in the stable, and not ride him yet, <laughs> like when you, you look at him every day going, oh, Mum, can I ride the horse? Please, you're like a young kid with a toy. But Robinson's been stoic with it. He said, no, I'm not going to let him out on the paddock and run around and, and get hurt by some barbed wire. <laughs> That's a good story. I just went on with that. that I just kept, just kept that going. Beautiful. I'm going. How am I going to get myself out of this? Charlie, can we get that on tape? <laughs> I think we need to. I think we need to review that in about 20 minutes. But the barbed wire part was the. I know. Yeah, it was the kicker. Who could be sinister? Then? <laughs> <laughs> that is you. I think probably on a Thursday night or a Friday yeah. night with Dan and and Ryan Girdler pre-game. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's it. But but who out there listening to that didn't understand what he meant? The message was clear. The words weren't, but the message was clear. Can I ride the horse, mummy? No. You'll get hit by barbed wire. Hey, and isn't that horse flying? Isn't that wow. horse flying now for Samoa? Wow, he's, he's the next big thing, baby. Hey, MG, your media career has been a spectacular one so far. There's been, we could sit here and do another five episodes just about the highs and lows you've had throughout the media career, but long way it continue. You're destined for another year on Sydney Breakfast next year, and, and I think personally, a uh, selfish, biased perspective, but I think that Sydney Radio is all the better for having you as a part of it. 
And thank you for sharing a long stretch of that road with me, brother. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. Thank you yeah. very much. Well, from all those years ago, MG, where it began to next year, 2023, breakfast with Mick and MG. Wow, yeah, I didn't see this coming, to be honest. <laughs> I didn't see it coming. Um, I didn't see me doing Bricky Radio again after four years with you on the Rush Hour. And, um, you know, then I'm working uh, with Paige and Jesse May last year was awesome. Mm. This Now it's uh, on to different horizons with Mickey mm. Malloy, who I regard as Radio Royalty. Yeah, what an adventure that's going to be next year. Make sure you're on board for that. Now, next time on Rugby League Rebel Part 2, I've organised some guests. I think that it's enough of you and I just sitting here talking at one another. We want to bring in some people, some some people that have played an important part in your journey to 54 years of age. So uh, that's coming up. I've, I've stolen the format from Channel 9. Let's be honest. I've stolen This Is Your Life. I've had Ginjal on the phone. He's given it the sign-off. He said, only for MG are you allowed to use this format. Uh, but that's coming up next time on Rugby League Rebel. Rugby League Rebel Part 2, the Mark Guy story, drops every Wednesday, 6am, on the Listener app, live and exclusive. Triple M rocks the NRL 24-7 through the Triple M app. Thanks to Ream. Steady, hot and strong. Install a Ream.